listen, I don't know about you guys, but there is an excitement in me. And it is because uh, Thursday, right? You guys with me? Thursday. There's an anticipation of gathering around a table and just getting greasy, just turkey all up in your face, gravy, uh, in my opinion, because uh, when you think about it, Thanksgiving, it's, it's like one of the big three holidays. It's, it's up there, right? And there's like this anticipation. I don't know if, if you guys had this anticipation like me. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Thanksgiving has all the right ingredients, right? It's got food. It's got football, cowboys. Come on, give it up, right? You got family. You got friends. And this equation equals fat fun, right? <laughs> Just fat fun, getting your eats on. For those of you who are offended by fat fun, I have also the alternative. Fluffy fun. <laughs> because a holiday that just allows us to just gorge ourselves and it be okay. Nobody's sad about it. It's like it's encouraged. Eat more. And then like two hours later, you're eating leftovers. Right? And then you're eating leftovers for like a week afterwards. It's good times. And, and it does trip me out because as one of the big three, it's kind of the underdog of the three holidays. It's the underdog holiday. Listen, Christmas, celebration of Jesus, the divine Savior entering into the world, right? Born, a virgin birth. is a miracle. Then you have Easter, the celebration of this same Savior dying for the sins of the world, going to the cross, and then resurrecting, conquering death, sin, and the devil. Then you have Thanksgiving, Gathering around a turkey, giving thanks, instituted by George Washington and and just stamped of approval by Lincoln. We have this underdog holiday, but what I want to do today is try to get us to see Thanksgiving is not so much an underdog because when we allow it to be. It can be and is very biblical. It's very biblical to give thanks to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Um, interesting thing is, is in, in the Old Testament, God, he had three major holidays as well where he would gather his people. People would ascend to Jerusalem some weeks, some months in advance And they would gather and they would celebrate three festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And the purpose of it was to remember what God had done and to give thanks, to give thanks for the grain, to give thanks for the harvest. They would gather and it was purposeful because what God would do throughout the year is he would realign, he would remind his people of what he has done. Because we need that. We need our, equally, our three holidays to remember what God has done in stepping out of heaven into earth. 
And we remember that. And, 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 we, and as we remember that, we should remember it and give thanks to him. And then during Easter, we remember what the importance of what he has done on the cross, paying a debt that you and I could never pay. Then on the third day, being predicted and told of in ancient days that he would rise again. It's, it's amazing that we have these holidays and we can utilize them as God utilized his three holidays in the Old Testament. We have these three. And with thanksgiving, I believe what we can do is really allow it to be God-centered, biblical, in terms and almost seeing it equally as the other holidays. Because this, this concept of giving thanks is, is, is not uh, something that was drummed up by our, our presidents. It's biblical. We see that throughout the Bible. Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And you see it sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. You see it for sure in the Psalms to give thanks for what God has done. And beyond these events, uh, we see in the New Testament that it's, it's called to be a part of our lifestyle. I like what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. That is the will of God. It's the will of God for you to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. Listen, friends, especially those of you in here in your 20s and your 30s, you're like, what is God's will for my life? Should I marry? Should I do this? What vocation? Listen, God's will is that you be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. You add that into your life, and you will find yourself smack dab in the middle of God's will. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me it's God's will that we be joyful, prayerful, thankful. I like what Spurgeon says. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. Gratitude. Joyful hearts and prayerful hearts equal a thankful heart. And it's good to gather around a holiday to realign us and remind us of the importance of being thankful. And here the thought isn't that God's will is that we be thankful so you better do it. The the thought rather is this is God's will so you can do it. It's not always easy to rejoice in everything. It's not always easy to pray without ceasing. And it for sure isn't easy to give thanks always. But because of what God has done for us, and because it is his will, it can be done. With God's will, there's always a way. That way is given to us by the power of the spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. These are promises And truths, biblical truths that we can cling to and live and allow the Lord to adjust our lives that we would be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray 
about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Brothers and sisters, we really can be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything and be thankful for anything because it's a biblical truth. To be anxious for nothing is allowing the eternal perspective in our minds to be broadened so that now we're overwhelmed by a circumstance, but we stand fast in the beauty and majesty of the true fact that in eternity, whatever circumstance, situation, and difficulty you're enduring, we're truly able to say, hey, there's no need to be anxious. And because of what Christ has done, we can pray about everything. And we can truly be thankful for anything. Ephesians 5.20 says, Give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Giving thanks to him. These are potent scriptures. Scriptures that you should put on an index card and, 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 and just put them wherever, maybe above the toilet, just somewhere where you see them often to remind yourself often. I don't know why toilet. That comes to mind. Because you're there, right, every day, hopefully. I mean, we won't go there. We'll pull out right now. But see, trip out on this, because these are biblical truths, to give thanks. It's the will of God to give thanks to him, to be thankful. Why? Is God in need of our thanks? God is all sufficient. Can I get an amen? amen? God is not in need of our thanks. We are. We are in need. God is sufficient. And having an attitude of gratitude positions us in a right place to see God for who he is so that we're not anxious, so that we are joyful and we become thankful. To to help um, develop this idea, turn your Bibles to Luke 17. It's an amazing text. Luke 17, verse 11. We're going to have that scripture up on the screen, but it's good to have your Bibles, right? I mean, we're at church and stuff. It's good. Luke 17 says this. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, 
they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan, Jesus asked. Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said this to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This Samaritan, this leper, disease-ridden, overwhelmed by the healing from Jesus, led him to an attitude of gratitude that ultimately led him at the the feet of Jesus. And what's interesting in this text is the response from Jesus. Was there not 10? You see, he wasn't really mad as much as he was sad. Because again, he doesn't need the things. But being relational, it's like, wait, where are the other nine? For the Samaritan who returned, he received an extra blessing. The blessing that was beyond healing. And that was the nearness of Christ. Friends, that is profound. They were all healed. But beyond being healed, the real blessing came at the feet of Jesus. That's where you and I want to be. That's where an attitude of gratitude leads us. To the feet of Jesus. Because they were lepers at a distance. But this one, being thankful, was drawn in to nearness. Nearness is what God has always wanted all along. He desired and loved the nearness in the Garden of Eden. And that because sin and disobedience entered into the world, there was a separation. And from then on, God sought to be near. So much so that he would send his only begotten son to die on the cross so that nearness be regained. Thank you, Lord. And thankfulness helps guard that nearness at a very practical level. Listen, not at an eternal level, right? If we all leave here and never be thankful again, as believers in Christ Jesus, we will enter into that beautiful place called paradise with him. But lacking an attitude of gratitude will affect your day-to-day life at a very practical level. The lack of thankfulness got a whole nation in trouble. 
the children of Israel, right? They were in a pretty good spot. They were in Egypt, and things were really wonderful until a new pharaoh had come into town. Then things were very difficult, and they were in bondage and slaves. God, desiring nearness, saw the bondage, and we read in Exodus 5 that he goes to Moses, and he meets him in a burning bush, and he says, man, my people are in bondage. Moses, I'm sending you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses, somewhat reluctant, now decides, yes, okay, Lord, I will go. He goes. And we know the story. He was reading Exodus. He goes to Pharaoh. God has asked that you would let his people go. And Pharaoh says, I will not let them go. Then he says, again, let them go. We will not let them go. He goes on. And finally, Pharaoh relents. He lets them go. And they grab their stuff. And they roll out of town. Pharaoh's scratching his head going, wait a minute. My free labor just left town. This is not good. Let's hop in some chariots and let's go chase them down. Let's bring them back. And we know the story. There's Moses, God's people, behind him, get to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea and they cross. And then the sea swallows up the enemy. And then we read in Exodus 15, Moses strikes up the band and sings this beautiful song of thanksgiving. A song of thanks to a God who had delivered them from the bondage of Pharaoh. And then I love this. I, it, it's, it's, go home and read it. It's amazing. The song of Moses. But then Miriam, she throws in a little song. It's like a Johnny Cash song. It says this, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, and the horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. It's like a Johnny Cash song, right? It's like happy, sad. And they're giving thanks. They're, they're recognizing what God had done. And then, and then we read, the very next chapter, Exodus 16, that the people of Israel start complaining. They're like, what is happening? We're in the desert and we're starving. And they're thinking back to the bondage, like it's better that we would go back in bondage. We were eating better food. Moses is like, what? They were generally complaining about being Delivered from slavery and bondage. So Moses goes and he talks to the Lord, and the Lord says, Yeah, I'll feed him. And he sends miraculously manna from heaven. And so, okay, now they're happy for a little bit, but oh, now they're thirsty. 
Then God provides water for them. Then it's like, oh, all we have is this manna. We need more food. We need some protein. So God's like, what? Okay, here. And then he sends some birds. The people of Israel were complaining in the wilderness with soft tacos. God was providing soft tacos to them. And they were still complaining. Like, what was coming next? We need salsa. God, help. And we're, we're all mind-boggled, like, how could they be in this place of complaining? But, friends, you know this happens with us daily. Complaining and discontentment lead to wandering in the wilderness. Friends, isn't it crazy? God had delivered them from bondage. And his desire was to take them into the promised land. And there was just a little stretch where they just, it was going to be tough. But where he was taking them was amazing. But because of their complaining and whining, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That affected their daily life. This happens at a much perhaps smaller scale for you and I. As I was doing and studying and pondering this message, I, I honestly was asking God, I wanted to apply it. I knew that I needed to have a greater attitude of gratitude. And so I was just asking him to show me where my tendencies are to drift from it. And just as clear as, as can be, it was, it's me in the car just thinking that everybody around me are the worst drivers ever. If everyone could just drive like me. Why does the old lady have to drive in the slow lane going 55 and then she gets into the fast lane going 45? It's the fast lane. Or the worst. It's a red light. And the car before you is turning right. Red light means you can caution to go, but they wait, and you're behind them going, you can go. <laughs> you want to get out of the car, knock on, like, hey, did you read the rules? Is this yield, turn. <laughs> I'm that classic guy that just gets, like, irate. And so I tried this formula. Just being thankful that I'm in a car, being thankful. I told my wife, I was honestly being thankful for roads. Like I could be in a place where there's ditches and craziness and just going to a village that's, you know, non-existent. Like I, I just found myself being thankful for this beautiful place that I live in. And it helped my heart, honestly. And then last night, I, I kid you not, it was like comical. Like this was a lesson I learned through the week, applying it, freed me. I was feeling good. And last night, in a hurry, I just wanted to go see the fight. I'm just positioning. Got to take kids to here and there. And I'm like, oh, gosh, okay, get in the car. And I'm just driving. And it's, if you live in Carpinteria, I don't know about you guys. I, I just hate leaving Carpinteria. Like, driving to Santa Barbara is like, oh, gosh. <laughs> it's, 
It's so stupid. It's like 10 miles and it's like just killing me. But last night I'm in a hurry and I'm driving and then, I kid you not, I'm like in Montecito ready to drop off my daughter for a sleepover and there's a barricade. I'm like, who does barricade at 5.30? I could literally see where I needed to go. Like I could see the driveway. Like it's right there. Almost said, maybe you get out and walk. Because if you know Montecito, the barricade was detour. The detour, it seemed like it took me to Camino Cielo. It was like driving for an hour, it seemed like, to get to this destination. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then I thought, okay, I, I got a plan. I know another exit and the gate went open. And, and next thing you know, I, I found myself laughing going, I can't believe it. I'm here. I'm irritated. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. It's, just, it's all lining up. And I just started thanking God. Thank you, Lord. And I'm even in this situation. And I look to my daughters and they're like, what happened? You were just irritated. Now you're laughing. I was like, it's the message. It's thankfulness. It's, I needed this. Because... In those situations, as, as much as they're easy to laugh at, like in a, in a real tangible way, being thankful helps guard the nearness of Christ. It puts things in perspective. Like the Samaritan, it puts you back where you need to be at the feet of Jesus. No longer anxious or worried or stressed about getting somewhere on time. It just slows you down. Like, okay, in an eternal perspective, if I show up late for the fight, it's not that bad. In the spectrum of eternity. The nearness is what he loves and it's what we need. Amen? He loves the nearness. And that nearness is what we need. Uh, recently, I was reading a book that um, was suggested to me by my pastor. It's a Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. And I'm, I'm going to read you a quote. It says this. L- listen carefully. This is profound. It says this. Thankfulness is a thread that can bind together all the patchwork squares of our lives. Difficult times, happy days, seasons of sickness, hours of bliss, all can be sewn together into something lovely with the thread of thankfulness. Jesus was especially good at doing this. Once he was in a tough situation with a lot of hungry people on his hands. And all he had was five loaves of bread and two fish. He could have complained that God should have expected him. Excuse me. Where did I go? Jeez. He could have complained that God shouldn't expected him to feed 5,000 people with so little. But Jesus 
didn't write off the loaves and fish as nothing. He noticed what was given and he gave thanks. And in this less than perfect circumstance, God supplied all that he needed. And we, like Jesus, have choices about how to respond to what life dishes up. We each have the power to interpret the facts of our lives. We make choices that turn us into bitter or grateful people. Gratitude is rooted in the reality that bidden or unbidden God being present. Thanksgiving is possible, not because everything goes perfectly, but because God is present. The Spirit of God is within us, nearer to us than our own breath. And it is a discipline to choose to stitch our days together with the thread of gratitude. But the decision to do so is a guarantee to stitch us closer to God. Attend to the truth that bidden or unbidden, God is present. Brothers and sisters, he is present within us. And when we have this attitude of gratitude, there is a nearness that is needed for you and I. Because in that nearness, we become more like him. We become better image bearers. We become the aroma of Christ, not the stench of the flesh. Being with him helps us more to be like him. And gratitude guards us. It combats the complaining and bitterness. And it gives birth to a generosity that combats greediness and selfishness. And it lays the road for loving kindness. We literally become more like him when we're at his feet. We become useful for the kingdom of God. And sometimes on a day like the holiday before us, we can sit at the feet of Jesus and ask him to make perhaps major or minor adjustments because they will make a big change. It will affect your family. And when it affects your family, it could potentially affect the nation. This morning, together, let's draw close to him. Let's give thanks to the Lord for what he has done. We have the elements of communion up here. Let's make way and remember what he has done on the cross. Let's ask him for that eternal perspective that will dim the circumstances that overwhelm us. Maybe a time of just repenting of error, of times like me were just frustrated, anxious, that lead to stupidity, an error. We don't want to be the stench of the flesh. We want to be the sweet aroma of Christ. And we are when we're at his feet. And we stay near. 
and we guard that nearness. And today we just need to make that little slight adjustment. I believe it's going to make a profound difference. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day that you've given us. We're glad and we rejoice in it. There's so much to be thankful for, Lord. And you being the primary reason of gratitude for what you've done on the cross. That you would bridge a way for us to be near to you. We don't want to be a people who wander. We don't want to be a people who complain. We want to have that right attitude. And so we draw near to you today. That you would expose in us any error. That we would repent. We would leave in the will of God being joyful, prayerful, and thankful. Have your way with us now as we remember you, the work done on the cross, as we remember you that on the third day you rose from the dead, conquering death, sin, and the devil. We want to walk in that freedom now. We want to enter into your presence with thanksgiving. We want to enter into your presence with boldness because you've made a way. We were once at a distance, lepers, disease infested, but you have healed us. And we recognize that this morning. And we want to draw near to you. We want to draw near to the feet of our Savior King. We want to remember that the work on the cross was for the cleansing to make us whole. Lord, help us to walk in that wholeness, in the newness. Come. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall fresh on us. We submit ourselves. And ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.